everybody. Welcome, 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 welcome. It's the first uh, unofficial, I don't know, it's like the third podcast we've done. It's the first big one. It's Daytona. Uh, Speed Weeks, we got kicked off last night with the Clash. We were <laughs> expecting a bit of a boring race. It was anything but. Uh, the boys were getting in the dirt. A couple of best buddies wrecked each other late in the race. KFB stole the win. MTJ, natural-born road ringer, <laughs> spun out to really <laughs> screw his chances. Joey Logano went over a curb and was screwing anybody who played him heavily, i.e. me, for most of the race until he short-pitted towards the end and got himself in good it was it was just crazy with bananas it was it was it was a crazy race it was not nearly as spread out or boring as we thought it would be <laughs> we thought um, it was gonna be a snooze fest it also didn't <clears throat> hurt that basically nobody could get into turn one appropriately like everybody <laughs> kurt bush had issues kurt bush had major issues at one point i thought he just disappeared i don't know where exactly he kept going to um and then mtj also forgot uh, the chicane there oh, when the competition caution came out, he thought the the the, uh, <laughs> the safety car was going to come pick him up, uh, and so he missed that. So he had to go back to the back of the pack. <laughs> it was like, yeah, sorry, dudes, I just forgot. Um, that was crazy. We had a comp. We had a caution for dirt. We had a caution for fire. The only thing we missed was a caution for wind, and then it would have been quite the soulful race. Um, I also just got, it was very ironic to have a caution for dirt on a road course this year when we have a points paying dirt race and we have seven points paying road races this year. Um, it was, it was a crazy way to start off speed weeks. Um, very entertaining. I was up about 400 bucks until the final corner when Chase Elliott decided to try to make a pass. Um, that actually won Ryan Blaney the first Roval race like three years ago when Jimmy right. Johnson tried the same move on MTJ and Blaney snuck that one out. Um, yeah, I was up about 400 bucks on FanDuel with that one. I was actually also in line to win about 70 bucks betting Blaney and P Team Penske to win. So I was a little upset at that. Um, but I also did kind of call that Kyle Busch would be a sneaky play because he might want to get off on the right foot. And by the way, to 50% uh, of people who played Kevin Harvick in GPPs on DK, Ugh. I don't know exactly what you were thinking. Ballsy. That was, I don't know if you forgot it was a road course or what. But I mean, they fell in love with the position differential, but yeah, that was, that was interesting. I mean, if it was a regular Daytona clash, then yeah, the position differential would have been nice, but it wasn't. And... If anybody had a rougher time through the first five corners than Kurt Busch, it was definitely Kevin Harvick. Right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we will turn our attention now to um, the duels and the rest of the Daytona races here. Uh, qualifying has already happened, sort of, and we'll get into that a little bit. We're recording this Wednesday evening. Um, so... We know the front row for the Daytona 500 in the Cup Series. Alex Bowman is on the pole. William Byron is on the is starting P2. That's all we know for the field. You'll, we'll have to watch the duels on Thursday night uh, to see the rest of how the field shakes out. Uh, for those of you that are new, um, the duels, essentially what they do is they take anybody that qualified in an odd-numbered position on Wednesday night 
and put him in one duel and anybody that qualified in an even number position on Wednesday night and put him in another one. If you win your duel, you start, let's say you're in duel one, which is which sets the inside line. If you win that, you start P3 and everybody else falls in behind you. So if you finish P2 in duel one, you start P5 in the Daytona 500. And the same thing happens with duel two. It sets the outside line, right? No matter what happens to Alex Bowman or William Byron, they will start P1 and P2 on Sunday. Doesn't matter if they finish dead last in the duels. Doesn't matter. They're locked in. The other thing it sets is the guys that don't have a guaranteed spot, the non-chartered cars. If they finish as the highest two <clears throat> non-chartered cars, then they qualify in the last two spots in the Daytona 500 on Sunday. Everybody else gets to go home. So that's the point of the duels. There are DFS contests on DraftKings for them. Dan and I will both heartily recommend that you do not play them. <laughs> uh, they are a crapshoot. Yeah. Um, you know, there's only 22 cars in each race. They're pretty short. They're also done in segments, generally speaking. Um, so, and by the way, they're raced on the regular Daytona Oval in pack racing. So you're going to get the same thing you're going to get on Sunday, just with smaller <laughs> fields and less chance for guys to move up. So, And if it was your first time playing NASCAR DFS on Tuesday and you hated the variance of the Daytona road course, you will absolutely hate it when it's on the trioval. Yeah, it's um I mean it's very entertaining to watch, but if you have a lot of money on the line, it's it <laughs> it gets very um it's incredibly exciting, but at the same time like if you're trying to uh if we're trying to recruit people to play NASCAR DFS, kicking the season off with, you know, truck xfinity and cup at daytona on the trial it can be a bit of um a buzzkill because matt and i for any super speedway race which is for daytona and talladega we'll always preach like you're, you're just trying to hope your guys avoid the big one and if your drivers get caught up in the big one which is like the big wreck that takes out about a quarter to a third of the field then that crushes so many of your DFS lineups. And so while we want people to play, it's almost like I, I will always play Daytona. I typically go with fewer lineups and fewer ban and less bankroll. Um, I think I'm going to do the happy hour and donut for each race, and that's 60 bucks for each race, and I think I'm calling it at that. I don't think I'm playing any cash this weekend. Certainly not playing the duels. I think I'm just yeah. going to come back heavier next week. Uh, with the Daytona road course and then even heavier for Miami in two weeks. Yeah, uh, we generally recommend playing lighter on these weeks. Um, so if you're getting your feet wet, do it lightly this week. The variance is insane here, uh, as you will see with the content yeah. that rolls out. And don't check your lineups mid-race. This isn't no. like NBA DFS where you can see your lineups gradually accumulating points. You could be in first and then mm -hmm. a couple laps later be... Or one turn later. The... Yeah, exactly. Like, like, on Tuesday night, I literally was watching my lineup because there was one turn left, and I was in second place in the Intimidator on FanDuel, and I was up. That would have given me 400 bucks on a $5 entry, right? Blaney and Chase Elliott crash each other out. Instantaneously, I was down to $10. One turn dropped me $390, and that was the final turn of the race. 
So this is not like like Dan said, not like NBA, not like NFL, not like MLB, not like NHL, where the guys have points banked. So even if they come out of the game, okay, you've got 45 points from this guy. You're not going to get any more, but you've got 45 points. Just because a guy is winning one, just because a guy is leading one lap, doesn't mean doesn't he's leading mean he's the gonna, last lap. Doesn't even mean he's going to finish the race <clears> in the next lap, right? Eric Almarola three years ago was a half a lap away from winning the Daytona 500. He wound up finishing 23rd because he got spun out. Yeah, that's how much variance there is in this sport. So play lightly, especially Daytona. Yes, especially yeah. Daytona. There are a lot of tracks are a lot more predictable than Daytona and Talladega. So if you're getting your feet wet, welcome. It is a very entertaining DFS sport to play. We will have full coverage for Cup, Xfinity, and Truck races this weekend. But do it lightly this weekend. Get a little bit more involved next weekend for the road race since we've already seen about half the normal field on the road course. And then Homestead is a very predictable track, which is three weeks from now. So... With that, let's go ahead and dig into the first race of the weekend, which is the Truck Series race. All right, so Friday night, Matt and I are going to break down every podcast this year. Uh, We're just going to do quick previews on the Truck Race, Xfinity Race, and then we'll do a deeper dive into the Cup Race. For Daytona's Truck Race, it's really hard, and this is just a quick preview. Do not take what I'm saying as scripture. There will be a playbook for the Truck Race that comes out. Thursday night into Friday. I know qualifying for the truck race is about 3.30. I will be at work. I probably won't be able to update it, but I will do my best to be in the chat answering questions. But early on, looking at the truck race, it's really hard not to look at the the Toyotas. If you're just looking at who is in a Toyota for this race, let's not forget John Hunter Nemechek is going from the cup down to the trucks. He's going to be in a Toyota. Johnny Sauter, Austin Hill, Chandler Smith, Derek Krause, uh, and we scroll all the way down. If we're just going by the numbers, Stuart Friesen, Matt Craft, and Grant Enfinger. Grant Enfinger is going to be a guy that could be on everybody's radar. Uh, he has a win, uh, two top fives and three top tens since you know February February of three years ago at Daytona. All in all, it just feels like this could be a very uh, successful race for the Toyotas. And Matt and I are not just going to like emphasize teams but also manufacturers, uh, you will see across all three races, uh, teams and manufacturers will pit at the same time. In general, for super speedway races, you will see these these teams and manufacturers race together. They will race in a pack. This is how you have to do it at Daytona and Talladega. So early on, I, I don't know the starting order. I don't know like who's who has PD on their side or who could who has negative PD on their side. But right now, I'm looking strictly at Toyotas. It's the easy route to go right now uh, with Enfinger, and especially John Hunter Nemechek taking a step down uh, all the way to the truck level. Matt, what say you? Yeah, I would say a couple of things. One, to highlight a few things that Dan said, normally stacking is not a part of NASCAR DFS. So if you're, you know, you're taking a swing at NASCAR and you're used to stacking in other sports, um, typically NASCAR is not one sport where you stack. You can um, you will hear us mention it throughout the season at certain tracks. Daytona and Talladega are generally the ones where we stack more often, and they are generally manufacturers for this specific reason. They These tracks do uh, they, they specialize in what we call pack racing because everybody has essentially restrictors on their engines that basically make them all drive 
essentially the same speed. So they're all going to be in one big pack. And so the easiest thing for these these drivers and teams to do is pit with their same uh, manufacturer. So you'll see Ford's pit together and Chevy's pit together and Toyota's pit together. Um, less so in the, the Cup Series because Toyota will typically join one of the other two because there's only like six of them yeah. on the track in the <clears> Cup <throat> Series. Um, but yeah, that's a pretty decent strategy here to go with um, guys, you know, try to stack as many of the same manufacturer as possible. The other strategy is you're only, this is across the board for all series. You're going to want basically one guy in the top 10, one guy starting in, I would say the top 15, you know, from 11th through like 15th. And then the rest of them, we're going to go with 25th on back. And when I publish, um, some of the cup stuff, this will hold true for truck and Xfinity. You will notice a very distinct pattern uh, in the scoring averages in which guys that start far back in the pack in these races score the best. And why is that? Because they hang out in the back and they avoid the big ones. And then they make up all those position differential spots. Because let's say you're like 25th, right? And 15 guys in front of you crash out. Now all of a sudden you're 10th. They get... 15 free points of position differential mm-hmm. just for driving around in the back. So, um, you know, I would I would pay attention to qualifying. I wouldn't put a whole lot of weight onto the speed that you see in qualifying because they're going to do single lap qualifying and they're not going to drive single car around the track. Um, but kind of pay attention to where um, who's grouped with who and where they're starting is more important for qualifying. All right, and that is the truck race. That is going to be 100 laps Friday night, which means there are about 70 dominator points. And that's the other thing is like typically with most races, how we talked about how there's a predictability factor, you'll have laps like dominators. Uh, You probably won't see that at a super speedway. Uh, Since they race in a pack, you'll see them shifting the lead in and out of the lead um pretty easily it's not to say that somebody can't go out and dominate a race it's very possible that you could see somebody go out and lead upwards of 30 laps uh but just don't expect one single dominator uh but we'll move to saturday's race i believe this is around four or five o'clock in the afternoon eastern time it's the beef it's what's for dinner 300 it's the best name for a race in in all the land it's 120 laps and if you have a super speedway race that has Justin Haley in it, you need to get exposure. And Matt, for super speedway, what is where would you cap ownership on any one driver? Would you say maybe 30%? Probably. So for super speedways, it's actually really good to spread exposure around. Justin Haley in the Xfinity race, he's the one driver I may break that number four i may go up to 35 to 40 percent uh he's just incredible on super speedways we've seen him win twice at talladega we've seen him win at daytona matt and i were at daytona for the cup race in july of 2019 when he stole that race as well no matter what he just seems to find his way to the front and he's a part of colleague racing which is a very good team for super speedways. They also have AJ Allmendinger, who is now going to be, I believe, running full-time this year. He was only a part-time driver last year, and when he was on the race, he was always starting in the back, and so he was always heavily priced up and very chalky because he presented position differential, and not just that, he's also a very good driver, so that meant he could win the race. 
Uh, College Racing is also replacing Ross Chastain, who is stepping into the 42 car for the Cup race, uh, Cup level this year. They're filling that seat with Jeb Burton. Now, Jeb Burton is kind of a guy that, <clears throat> for most of the races last year, wasn't very good. He was either great, bad, very few times he, f- he was falling in between. Uh, or started too much crap on the track during the race. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, but a lot of people forget <laughs> that last year, during uh, the very first race at Daytona, he was running very well. He led 26 laps, had an average driving position of fifth. He ran inside the top five for most of the race, but he finished 23rd. And then he went and finished the rest of the season frustrating a lot of DFS owners. So Jeb Burton and all these caller guys are kind of a few guys that I'm willing to build around for the Xfinity race on Saturday. Not sure if you have any input on how to approach the Saturday Xfinity race, but I feel like Jeb Burton could be a diamond in the rough. I completely agree with everything you just said there. Um, I mean, frankly, Justin Haley's walkout song should just be DJ Khaled's All I Do Is Win because that's literally all he does at uh, Super Speedways. I mean, it's weird because it's like we talk about like the risk and how the, it, it's there's such variance and unpredictability. But yeah, Justin Haley is always in contention at a Super Speedway. Yeah. Now, in fairness, with the Cup race win, it was mainly because Kurt Busch's crew chief made a questionable pick call. But he was, short. He was, he was still in position that when Kurt Busch pulled off the track, Justin Haley was the winner. So he was in second place. Um when the final rainstorm came in after that thing was delayed like a day and a half um, and then paid off. I don't remember. He was going off at 7,700 or something. It was an insane uh, payoff. If you bet (laughs) Justin Haley. Um, So yeah, I would say Haley and Burton are my two favorites in the Xfinity race for sure. Um, Again, those two guys, I'm less concerned about where they're starting simply because of, their driving ability um, at these plate tracks and given their team. Um, There's a few more guys. I will also point out that the more aggressive drivers tend to do better at plate tracks. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, we might want to look for some guys that ruffled some feathers last year. Might be guys that make some noise at Daytona on Saturday. All right. Now that is just a quick preview of the Xfinity race. Full playbook for that will be out Friday night into Saturday as well. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're mostly listening for the strategies and drivers you need to be looking at for the cup race. So Matt, without further ado, who are you looking at for the cup race on Sunday? So it's pretty hard to go plate racing without talking about Team Penske. Um, So this is going to make our marketing guy and guest host a couple of times last year, Edward Rouse, very happy. But we're going to start off with a guy who probably should have won the clash on Tuesday uh, in Ryan Blaney. Um, now, I will say as of the recording of this on Wednesday at about 11 o'clock at night, we do not yet have uh, FanDuel pricing out for the Daytona 500. Uh, we do have DraftKings pricing out. It's been out since, I believe, like Monday. Um, Ryan Blaney is ten grand on DK. Um, so we're going to have to pay attention to where he's starting based on the duels. He qualified technically 16th, uh, on Wednesday evening, but all that does is put him in duel two. So if he wins duel two, he's starting P four. If he finishes like eighth, he'll start like 16th. So it kind of depends. Um, 
But he's been really quite consistent here. Um, keep in mind, he finished second in this race last year. He was the one pushing Ryan Newman towards the finish line before that horrific uh, wreck. Uh, Blaney has actually had more success at Daytona recently than his other two teammates, Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski, who are known as really good plate racers. But it turns out they're really good more so at Talladega than they are at Daytona. Um so Blaney is one of the guys I'm really looking at. Kislowski and Logano sandwich him on DraftKings. Again, we don't know what the FanDuel pricing is yet. Um, I will tell you one guy that I will avoid is the guy that also could have won the clash, and that's Chase Elliott. Uh, he does not have very good runs at Daytona. He just doesn't. His average finish in the 500 is... In the last four is 20.3. His average finish at Daytona in his career is almost 24. Um, and he usually starts pretty decently high because Hendrick engines get him pretty good horsepower. And then he just kind of is always involved in the big one at some point. Um, he's the second most expensive guy on the board. Kind of tough to, to go with that. His teammates, William Byron and... Um, Alex Bowman are on the front row, which might sound really intriguing. And their price on DraftKings is also pretty intriguing because they're they're decently priced, ninety two hundred and nine grand respectively. Here's the problem: if you actually look, and I'll have data out later in the week in the playbook, starting first at the Daytona five hundred in the last five races ranks thirtieth in fantasy points on DraftKings. That's not all that appealing, right? I mean, the point is to score DK points, FanDuel points. It ranks 34th on FanDuel, in case you're wondering. So, um, while they're fast, the history of Alex Bowman, who, by the way, has started up front four years in a row in the Daytona 500, and his average finish right now is 17.3. That's not going to help you very much. So... Um, we'll be looking at guys starting further back generally means the cheaper guys in this race. We're going to leave a lot of money on the table this week. Uh, usually we tell you to leave between about 500 and a thousand dollars on the table in your lineup builds. Oh, you can um, leave a lot more than that actually this week. Right. I'm just saying in a normal, oh, you mean in general for any in general for normal races, right, right, right. it's like 500 to 1200 bucks. You leave on the table, right? This week, have no problem leaving as much as ten, fifteen thousand dollars on the table. Like I'm not kidding. Last year, I built a lineup on Fanduel that left thirty-five thousand dollars on the table. Um, so and it's it, kind it of, did pretty decently because they were all dudes that were like they were literally five back, and they're just gaining position differential. Right. You'll see yeah. plenty of people in GPPs that just say, okay. Let's just take the five or six guys starting 40th through 35th and just put them in a lineup and hope for crashes and that those guys are not in it. And then they get, you know, guys like BJ McLeod tend to avoid uh, the big ones and go backwards. Corey LaJoy tend to avoid the big ones. Um, Michael McDowell tends to be a pretty good plate racer. You got a top five here uh, last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um so, you know, we're looking at the cheaper guys this week a lot more than we typically would. Um, Ross Chastain also tends to be a pretty good plate racer. 
Um, so these are guys that we're looking at. You don't have to go and load up with, um, you know, the top flight big name dudes. Um, and yes, in case you're wondering, I did purposely bury the lead. Um, I have not mentioned Denny Hamlin. Who's I was about player. to. I was looking for a window. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Denny Hamlin's a three-time Daytona 500 winner. He's won two in a row. Nobody's ever won it three times in a row. Um, so that would be a first for in the history of NASCAR. Can he do it again? I don't, I mean, it's possible. He's one of the best plate racers on the planet right he's now. He's won from starting 10th, 11th, and 39th. Yeah, so he's winning basically from anywhere. Um, again, we're not sure exactly where he's going to start on Sunday, given the duels haven't happened yet. Um, he is the most expensive, but again, salary's not much of a concern this week because you're going to fill in with like four $6,000 dudes. So, yeah, those are the key guys I'm looking at right now. All right, what about the rest of Denny Hamlin's teammates? How do you feel about Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., now Christopher Bell stepping into the number 20 car for Eric Jones? Uh, I kind of like the price on Christopher Bell. Again, it all kind of boils down to where everybody starts. But typically, you know, we don't really talk up Kyle Busch or MTJ too heavily for for play races. Not usually. I'd take Kyle Busch over MTJ. Um, Kyle Busch has been better here of late mtj just always seems to be caught in the big one and he knows it and he just does not he's not a fan of um plate racing (laughs) to put it lightly um kyle bush obviously got off on a very good foot with his new crew chief ben bashore uh on tuesday night by winning the clash this might surprise you maybe not i don't know uh, Kyle Busch has never won the Daytona 500. He has won at Daytona. He won the Coke Zero Sugar 400 a couple of times. But he has never won the Daytona 500. This is his 16th try. Um, it is clearly something that he wants to win. Um, and why shouldn't he? He wants to win the biggest race in the NASCAR schedule. Um and so he may just have the uh, the mojo because he apparently he came out with a quote this week saying that he believes he was essentially fired from the 18 this offseason, I guess, is how he feels about it. So a riled up, pissed off Kyle Busch. Uh, Wait, he thinks he's, is, is, is he potentially the hottest free agent NASCAR has ever seen? <laughs> no, I mean, he's not going anywhere. He signed... Um, through you know he he's not a free agent at the end of the year i don't believe but no he was saying that like because his crew got shifted around and because adam stevens got shifted to christopher bell he doesn't have his you know longtime crew chief the one he won two championships with he feels he was essentially fired from the 18 and demoted and that everybody else around him got the better stuff makes no um, sense doesn't make any sense to me either <laughs> but I a like the guy. Kyle Bush. I became a fan of his last year, but his energy drink is also really good. Um, yeah, I don't typically like energy drinks, but that stuff is delicious and it actually helps keep me awake. So I'll keep drinking that stuff. Um, I would go Denny and then Kyle. It depends on where Bell is starting, but I have basically no interest in MTJ. All right. Uh, one, the last major team that we haven't really touched on would be Stuart Hobbs racing. Uh, are there any drivers here that may interest you? I know he's a rookie. He's filling in. He's replacing Clint Boyer in the 14 car. 
last year in two races at Daytona, Chase Briscoe logged a pair of top fives. I'm a little intrigued at the price tag if he's if he's starting pretty far back. Um, you know, we don't have like the competitive rookie field that we had last year. Because if you remember, yeah, there's like, only two. Yeah, a year ago we had Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Cole Custer, uh, JHN. So I mean, it was it was actually kind of a fun rookie field. But this year we only have two, and it's it it feels like Briscoe could easily beat out fast pasta for rookie of the year. Um, but how do you feel about anybody from Stuart Haas this week? Um, I think Stuart Haas is an interesting. They're Fords. I mean, it's an interesting one. Eric Amarola almost won the Daytona 500 like three years ago. He's, he has won Talladega. Um, you know, yeah, I think Chase Briscoe's a pretty intriguing guy being a rookie. I don't know how many people pay attention to what dudes do in the Xfinity series before they come to Cup. Crushed um, it last year. He was really good in the Xfinity series last year. I mean, he won, what, nine races, ten races About last nine, year? Ten races. Um, and let's not forget that the 14 car was pretty good for Clint Boyer on super speedways. I mean, it's, you know, Fords tend to be very good on super speedways. They have a lot, (laughs) they have very nice engines. The Robert Yates engines are very good for super speedways. Um, so yeah, you know, those, I would say those couple of guys intrigue me. Um, I don't know that I'm that intrigued by Kevin Harvick. Um, he has won the Daytona 500 a couple of times, um, but I don't know. I just I'm a little off him right now for whatever reason. So that's kind of my feeling on Stuart Haas. All right, uh, I know we're trying to keep these podcasts shorter this time around. We're not trying to do a full deep dive into everybody because we do want you all to read and and learn from the playbook. Um, I know we touched on a few cheap drivers. Is there anybody else that you maybe want to touch on a little bit? I know that there are some plate racers that we normally touch on, like Ricky Stenhouse, who who could easily just as finish in the top five as he could wreck out. Austin yep. Dillon's another good plate racer. Also, we got Kyle Larson coming back. I don't know if we've touched on him too much. We do have Kyle Larson coming back. He's in a Hendrick car, which is pretty nice for the horsepower. Um, obviously, two of his teammates are on the front row. Um Larson's not terrible at Daytona um, before, um, you know, keep in mind, he did race here last year before he got kicked out of the Cup Series. Um, his average finish in the last four or five hundreds is 12th with a 10, you know, positive 10 position differential. So I'll take that. He's squarely in the mid-tier. Um, he's right there with Almarola and Austin Dillon and Stenhouse. Uh, De Benedetto could be pretty intriguing. Um, so yeah, we're going to be living a lot in the mid tier this week for sure. All right. Uh, any other strategies that we want to touch on before we wrap this up? I know we've got, we've got many playbooks. We'll be in the chat Friday, Saturday, Sunday, helping you, uh, with your lineups and strategies. Matt and I always, a lot of times in the past, we've talked about how you can build a super speedway lineup just by putting names on a wall and throwing darts at it. Basically what sticks. Um, but really this year I'm going to emphasize stacking teams, stacking manufacturers, and just trying to identify the right plays, uh, that offer a position differential. I'm totally fine leaving thousands of dollars on the table in terms of lineup construction. Um, but at the same time, like this, this is a week where you, where you just don't dive in and go super heavy. Um, I normally play a couple hundred bucks every week on DFS NASCAR. This is not the week I will be doing that. I'm going to be doing that next week. And then for Miami, um, 
It's it's really just about just kind of being conservative and, and, and really being a disciplined DFS player this weekend. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing I will say um, to reiterate coverage, obviously, you know, you've listened to the podcast. Um, we'll have a track breakdown coming out for the Cup Series. It will either be in the written form you got used to last year or it will be in the new uh, coach's dashboard type form. Um, still trying to sort out that detail, but either way, it'll be out some point on Thursday. Um, if it is in the coach's dashboard, you will still get all of the stats you became accustomed to in the tables. They'll just be a lot friendlier to look at, and there'll be a brief right up at the top of it. It'll look basically like an NFL coach's dashboard, except it'll be talking about NASCAR. Um, we'll have rankings for the cup series will be out on Friday. Once we know qualifying and whatnot, uh, projections will be out for the cup series on Friday. Once we know qualifying, uh, playbooks for all three series will be out throughout the weekend. No example lineups this year. Oh yeah. From us. We have core plays. Uh, so you may have seen us roll them out and basically all the other sports, mainly, uh, NBA, NHL and PGA at this point. Uh, we will be giving you one or two drivers per um, tier, you know, basically price point for each site and do a strategy write up that goes along with that. So we'll tell you why these guys are the ones we're building around. And then the idea is you read through that content, you read through the playbook, you look through the tools, and then you can build lineups off of the guys we've basically steered you towards but not give you plug and play lineups so it's to help you learn the strategy behind the sports um and uh whatnot and then any race day updates that have to happen on sunday will happen you know guys fail tech inspection unapproved adjustments whatnot i mean i don't suspect there'll be a whole lot of updating because it's daytona and who the heck knows what what's gonna happen um (laughs) But yeah, so that's that's kind of the update on the uh, coverage, and we'll have best bets for you on Wager Alarm. Um, this weekend is a free preview for the Daytona 500. It is a free preview. After that, you will have to paywallly subscription. Uh, but the monthly subscription gets you access to every sport we cover over there, so it's really quite a very good value because we're covering NBA, NHL, PGA. Uh, there's MMA best bets. There'll be NASCAR. Um, yeah, so we've been crushing it over there on the best bets side of stuff. MLB will start up soon. So, all right, there you go. All the bases. All right, well done, Matt. Well done, me, uh, Matt. Best of luck to you this weekend, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation. <laughs>